you are being watched. The government has a secret system, a podcast that recounts every episode of Person of Interest. I know, because we made it. We designed the podcast to continue our bullshit, but we see everything. Random numbers of the week. People like you. Episodes the average viewer deems irrelevant. You wouldn't watch it, so we did. But I needed partners. Someone who had never watched this before. Hunted by weirdos on the internet, we record in secret. You will never find them. But, newbie or diehard, if your episode's up, we will find you. Hello, and welcome to the library for the final podcast of interest. This is a rewatch podcast for person of interest featuring two veteran operatives and one who's now a veteran as well. Uh, yes. My name is Justin, and joining me are my two associates, Jude and Anna. Jude, Anna, we're at the end of the road. How you doing? Woof. I, I actually waited until this afternoon to watch these episodes, which I think was a good call. Like, I'm, I'm really liking going into recording, like, pretty fresh off of these. Yeah. Yeah, especially these two episodes. These are banger apps with a lot of momentum to them so i i can see yeah they 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 hit they they feel i would imagine that they having that come into them fresh is a a good way to go yeah Yeah. i was surprised how much i remembered these episodes down to like specific music cues Mm -hmm. it's been a minute since i've watched this season and there were certain musical cues in especially the finale in return zero that i was like yep i was like like yeah po- like getting my head into position to like nod along with the music drop so I, I think and it's not like i've watched it a bunch of times i think i've only seen the finale like once since it aired so uh it's very impactful yeah i think i've only watched it i, I like i've only watched the end episode the, the finale once which was the original time i saw it which i think would have been 2018 but yeah i, I mean it, it's part of it is like i think the last time i did a rewatch i tapped out mid season three um like for like not not that i wasn't enjoying it yeah. i just i have adhd and <laughs> Yeah, and like and like sometimes you when you're doing a rewatch of something, like you know that something's coming, and mm-hmm. you just like you're just like you know what I I just don't want to watch the episode where this happens right now, and then you just never do. Yeah, that that happens to me all the time in rewatches. As we're headed into our next show, you know that's one where I've seen the first few seasons many 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 times in season seven, only a couple. Yeah, I have no idea it, why. We'll find out. Yeah. Won't yeah, we? we will. We will. We will talk about that soon for us. Later for you, listeners at home. We're, we'll talk. We'll talk about what we're doing at the end of the episode. Yeah, because there, there, there's some procedure, and we're and we're, we're we are planning to take a. Actually, no. Let's get this out of the way right now. We are going to be taking a summer vacation. Well, we're not. Our editor is. <laughs> yeah, yes. we'll, 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 <laughs> Zathras is going to be is going to be taking a vacation. Um, and we're going to record episodes, but we're not going to release for a while. Um, and also that lets us get some backlog back because, mm-hmm. uh, we, we lost it and we need to get <laughs> that back. Um, we can't ever have, we can't ever reference anything that was too close to the immediate future. Um, yeah, the joke doesn't work if we're talking about stuff that actually is happening. Yeah. Like, presently, we have to be talking about holidays and events minimum two three months 
in the past. Otherwise, course, it's, it's not course. a good bit. Yeah, and and also it lets it lets us have some space so that. Um, I think we all like we're all probably going to take a vacation like uh, lucky lucky for us uh, Jude and I are Judas Judas visiting California the same week I am out of town <laughs> which is <laughs> the funniest shit possible yeah I think we've I think there's several vacations planned through the summer uh, yeah. that will interrupt our recording so we'll build our little backlog and then uh, come roaring back with the previously announced I believe uh next series we have previously announced it right yeah yeah of uh wait ds9 we yeah pod space nine has pod yeah pod space nine will yeah yeah which i'm legitimately very excited about because i started uh i just started getting all of the my ducks in a row to watch the pilot fantastic Um, and i'm excited to do that i'm it's been it's been a minute uh i am the newbie on this one and uh, I'm excited for it. I have watched yeah. random episodes of DS9 over the years, but I don't think I have watched three epi- three consecutive episodes in a row of the show ever. Oh dang! Well, oh. this this is gonna be this is gonna be wild. Like I can tell you stuff that happens probably deep in the show, but I could not tell you overall what happens to every character. Like I know some stuff. I know like Worf shows up at one point, but I have, I could not tell you if it happens in the second season or the seventh season. Could not tell (laughs) you. That'll be fun. So I'm looking forward to it. Uh, If for no other reason, then it is the apotheosis of our, we are not a Star Trek podcast joke. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's going to be good. Um, and we'll be record. We will be recording our our our, our first Pod Space Nine in like forty eight hours, which yeah might be the shortest turnaround we've had where we haven't recorded <laughs> like the same day. That'll be fine. We yeah. um like not not to spill too many beans, but we've got two guests lined up so far. Fantastic, uh, which which I'm excited for. Um, one returning one. Uh, who has not been on Bowpod before, but who has been on uh, Complete Discography. Cool. But we are not here to talk about Star Trek tonight. We are here to talk about the two final episodes of Person of Interest. Those are episodes 12 and 13 of Season 5, Dot .exe and Return Zero. I will be doing uh, EXE. This was written by Greg Plegman and Eric Mountain and directed by Greg Plegman. As Harold starts to work on using the Ice-9 virus he recovered on the last episode, the machine in Root's voice asks, Hey, what if we all did a It's a Wonderful Life to this and took a look at what people would have been without the machine? We see (laughs) Harold and Nathan in an alternate present day where they're still running IFT together, and Harold expresses regrets over not pursuing the machine. Without the machine, time has mostly progressed as like a normal world, but he never met Grace. Harold has broken into a tech CEO's house in the real world, though, where he says that he's not going after taking down the internet, but bigger game. He is driven to the S. He's driven to SFO by the machine in a Tesla. How hilarious! Right. Uh, <laughs> Look, I don't think a Tesla could drive automatically, even with the machine piloting it. That is yeah, how no. low my opinion of Teslas are. Um, Harold is dad. That is, that is my opinion. And the rest of the show is a hallucination. Yeah. <laughs> well, back in New York, Shaw and John head to the subway to try to figure out their next steps. 
Fusca's busy with the tunnel of bodies because the uh, because the NYPD found it and the FBI's taken an interest. Oh, and John and Shaw get a number. Greer's, or at least an alias of his. It, yeah. Um, we next see Fusca's life without the machine. He's still a drunk. He's no longer the force after he turned rat in the HR case and is working as an investigator for defense attorneys. Without Reese or Carter, he never really recalibrated his life. In the real world, however, the FBI found Fusco's murder board investigating the people found in the tunnel. Finch, meanwhile, has picked up a French dude, the NATO Defense Minister of Intelligence, and driven him to a military base. Oh shit, that's Fort Meade, what the fuck? (laughs) Um, Finch sedates the French dude and takes his place. We see another alternate life with Henry Peck, the original whistleblower for Northern Lights, with Shaw as the person who is there to kill him. She does murder him, and it's clear that some sort of system exists even without the machine. John and Shaw receive coordinates from the machine on how to infiltrate Fort Meade, while Harold makes it to the servers. He starts to deploy the virus while the Mayhem twins sneak into the building. Just as Harold is about to deploy the virus, Samaritan's agents find him. Greer, meanwhile, tries to convince Harold that Samaritan is doing the right thing. How many times John... is this now? Yeah, no, it's three it's minutes. Like, it's like a Vader, like kept going to Luke and he's like, see, the Empire is right. The Empire is right. Um, <laughs> which it just doesn't work without any real emotional appeal. But yeah. we'll, we'll get into that in a moment. Um John and Shaw find more clues left by the machine, including a router that belonged to Edward Snowden. Just Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. This, the, that part of this episode is so far up its own ass. Greer believes that the machine does not know the password to launch the virus, so he has the room sealed so Greer and Finch can suffocate together. The machine is able to contact Harold through a wire, through that wireless router and gives him the door code so he can escape after Greer dies. I have so many thoughts about this scene. <laughs> um, we see what John's alternate future would look like. John saves Jessica from her abusive husband, but she rejects him after seeing his violent side, and it's implied that he commits suicide. Uh, Harold, meanwhile, comes to John and Shaw's aid, and Harold gives them directions for leaving the facility. As they get engaged in a fight, Harold gives them the slip and locks the door behind them with Harold telling John goodbye. Fusco is found by the FBI, and the agent who's been investigating the bodies in the tunnel knocks him out and kidnaps him. Agent LaRue reveals that he's the killer with the intention of making it look like a serial killer because he's really a Samaritan agent. And not just a normal serial killer. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, The agent shoots Fusco, but Fusco is wearing his vest. Because he's he's learned one thing from John, if anything, besides having a moral compass, it's wear your vest so that when you get shot, it doesn't kill you. Yeah. Fusco says that he doesn't want to live in the world where Lex, where Lex, LaRue is a good guy and he shoots him. The machine shows one additional um, simulation of the alternate timeline where Samaritan is still in place with Root as its primary acolyte. This steals Harold and he proceeds to Samaritan's control center. The machine reveals that she knew the password all along, and Harold deploys the virus. Oof. Also, there um, the the password is Dashwood, which is the main family 
in Sense and Sensibility, which is the book that Harold proposes to Grace with. Oh, okay, okay. Because I was wondering if that was um, Harold's actual name. No, no, no. Nah. It's just, okay. It's, it's, cool, it's a cool, Sense cool. and Sensibility reference. Yeah. Uh, I really okay. like the what ifs on this. I really did too. Yeah. I think all of them feel very legitimate. Yeah. Um, I think this is a super solid episode, but I have a very big beef with this episode. <laughs> so I don't know if you want to do that first or if you want to do it last. Are we talking think, Greer just but, locking himself? But in I, I have a goddamn dinosaur bone sized bone to pick with this episode. Okay, let's get it out of the way. Addressed. Let's just do it here. Let's do it here. Let's okay. It. The scene in the airtight room is. The whole scene is bad. Top to bottom, it's bad. For at least two reasons. Maybe there's more. I don't know where this rant's going to go. But two reasons minimum. One, what the fuck is Greer doing? He (laughs) dies for no appreciable reason other than they need him out of this episode. Okay, no. Here is why he is... Here is why he is dying. So, Anna predicted... Has predicted for multiple seasons. Yeah. I've, I've predicted that Greer was going to die and Samaritan was going to kill him, which I guess I was sort of right about. Because, because you said that Samaritan will find Greer irrelevant. Yeah. But it the twist is. Greer is finds himself Greer- irre- irrelevant. Yes. But here's the thing. It was dumb. All he had yeah. to do was stand <laughs> outside and talk through a speaker. Yeah, no, no. The uh, or just the walk most- out and then close the door. There were eighty-seven ways to make this scene not stupid, and I get that there's a degree of like suspension of disbelief you're supposed to engage in here. We're talking about a show about fucking ASIs, and that blew it for me. Yeah, it is the. It, it's 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 just bad. Like I, I know, we don't like- need to make excuses for it. Yeah, it is no. just a badly written scene. There's no reason why Greer would be like. I am the supervillain in charge. I'll just choke to death here for no reason. I know that Finch is not going well, to because give he, up. Because he's I'm not, not the going super to villain walk. in charge anymore, though. No, but I'm isn't. saying, but he 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 is and he isn't. Whatever. I'm saying there is no reason for him to give up his position. There's no nothing to gain from him dying here. It doesn't net anything. It doesn't benefit anything. Nor does him being alive cost anything it is a net zero it it literally is only for dramatic effect so that they can say that greer's dead i i I have i have a counterpoint to this yeah i i have a i have a thought on this as well which is so i could see i could see i could see greer like uh, we've got the irrelevant thing for for greer but then there's also the thing of like that I think he could see like you know the two of them kind of as equals going down together in a way that like you know I think that it it may have like felt more right to him to like have them both have them both die together sort of thing. I I see I, where you're going with that. Mm-hmm. But Greer at no point in the past has indicated he's a fucking moron that would suicide over something over some completely but trivial he is, gesture. But he's super dramatic though. He yeah, is no, no, super no. dramatic, you have to but understand he's also practical. Is that he's a Brit- is that he's a British dude who who like was a spy in the 60s. That man like l- like 
he knows that the most traumatic homoerotic thing he can do in this situation is to kill Harold and him at the same time while they suffocate together, ushering in a new era. Right. Right. I, and and it's <laughs> I grant both those points, but I I I like you're, this you're, is you're a arguing, hill I'm going to stay on against it because Greer because you're like no like Greer is too smart for this and we're like no Greer is exactly dumb enough for this no my yeah. no I'm I'm not arguing he's too smart for this I'm arguing it's dumb and <laughs> yeah. then watching it you're like the door is right there just be on the other side of the door or walk out or have a guard like. If they wanted to have him do a Pyrrhic victory like that or like to lock himself in, they could have added any number of things to make that scene work better. So it didn't feel stupid that he dies in there with with Finch or or tries to. My second beef with this scene, uh, Finch is a very smart man, but Finch is a fucking moron and he's lying to himself out his butt. If he is going to pretend that in a world where two, not one, but two ASIs have been independently invented, run their asses all over the world, fucking setting up corporations and breaking themselves out of their existing infrastructure by printing their code on a fucking dot matrix printer and having their agents spread their their code bits via briefcases and god knows what samaritan's been up to the idea that at a minimum none of that shit would cause there to be another asi <laughs> much less a half a dozen fucking teenagers in basements aren't inventing more asis the idea that only two would ever exist and and harold's like nope if we kill these two it's done problem solved so I'm not sure if that's I'm not sure if that's entirely Harold's motivation. I think so and Justin I'm gonna, so this is something that I'm going to I'm going to ping off of the um the other our other podcast with Justin and I. Yeah. Um so we recently did Raising Steam um where there's a concept in there of like not whether or not a technology is right for the world but whether it's right for the world right now what like it, the question there's a question posed of like you know is right now steam engine time in there mm -hmm. and so i could see harold looking at the world and being like it is not asi time <laughs> and maybe in maybe in 20 years 50 years 100 years it will be asi time and that like maybe society will have you know, change for the better so that, you know, maybe when maybe when ASIs arise again, it'll be less fraught. I buy that. I buy that. Absolutely. The argument that Greer and Finch are having is Greer is saying you're fighting you're you're fighting the inevitable. Yeah. Like there's going to be an ASI. And I'm not saying that Greer is right, that Samaritan, he should just give in to Samaritan because it's inevitable that Samaritan will win. But Finch's argument is, no, it's not. If I destroy these two there, it's not inevitable that ASI will, will occur. And I'm saying Finch, you're full of shit. Like putting everything else aside. I think Finch is deluding himself to think that there will never be another ASI given the, the context of this world. 
I think that I think that yeah. I mean, I I I, I sort of leaning more towards Anna of like that. I think Harold. I, I I am I am of the belief that in the in the universe that um, in, in the universe that person of interest exists in. Um, we are going to go with the House of X powers of ten idea that AI is not a dis- is not an invention. It is a discovery. It is inevitable. Yeah. Yeah. But it is the idea that humanity might be better prepared for such a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and again, I because that, that so scene not arguing me, with that. Yeah, yeah. That scene struck me as one that like may have been cut down. And like yeah, lost some aspects, that. but I can also see why it was cut down because we've had essentially that scene of the two of them monologuing at each other like three other times in the last season. Yeah. yeah. So I, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm, I don't mind it being a little bit on the short side. I also think, I also think that it just proves that, that Greer and Harold are so far removed from each other that they're at cross purposes and they're to- they're talking past each other at this point. Yeah, yeah. they they cannot agree. Uh, they can't even talk about the same things. But right, yeah. like I said, my my specific beef here with Finch is that his he's he's either being purposefully naive or he's a doofus if he's suggesting that no ASI will ever be invented, or he's just lying to Greer. Two. Or he's just lying yeah. to Greer, which is entirely possible. But yeah, that was Finch, my beef. Finch is that a complicated scene, man. He may be lying to himself too. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think lying to himself is yeah. is a very distinct possibility. Yeah, I really like this episode. That one scene aside, I think this episode works is super tight and works. I just that one scene bugs me. I remember it bugging me the first t- couple <laughs> times I saw it, and it bugged me again this time. So anyway. I, I just love that I was right that, you yep. know, Samaritan killed Greer. I remember yeah. you giving your it's, predictions was, and me was, just being very like, close. God damn, you were even more prescient than fucking Justin was with his B5, with the B5 <laughs> predictions. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's in a roundabout way, but yeah, it, it is, it was true. I was like, cause I remember the, cause like, I remember the scene was like, this is Greer's decision and stuff, but it's like, yeah, no, no, you're right. It's in a roundabout way. It really is Samaritan killing Greer. Yeah. Uh, not, and, uh, yeah, it's. Yeah, it's not, it's not team machine that killed Greer. It's Greer and Samaritan that killed Greer. Yeah. Um, I agree with you on about the what if scenarios. I think that's a. A really, and they're so good tonally with the show too, because like the show, and you know we'll get into this a bunch with next episode, um, but like the show is, you know, the through line is, you know, the the impact that you have, you know, the impact that you know helping somebody has on the world. Mm-hmm. What's remembered? And I, re- I I really like lives the forever. Lives. Yeah. Yeah, and the idea that the machine is so sophisticated now that it can calculate with seemingly profound accuracy what these people's lives would have been without it in it. Yeah. Is I think lends a lot of credence to 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 Root's theological to to Root's deification of the machine. Yeah. yeah. Because in a lot of ways these people do, especially these people that the machine knows best these people will all will will live forever in the machine. Yeah. I think yeah, I I, I think interesting something that's interesting is that 
there is that apart from the end reveal that Samaritan still exists and is going to run the world, the 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 alternate timeline we get is like the world itself is not worse or better. Yeah. Um, and like, and obviously, what what has changed is like how is is how the like you know how the various people in their lives have changed like you know Shaw is still working for the government and killing people without really even thinking about it and looking Shawn, really fucking hot in those glasses Jesus. oh my god it's it, it, it was it's one of those things of like oh god thanks thank god someone else said it because i can't be the only <laughs> one about this damn damn she's rocking those glasses yeah uh, no, I, I I agree. I think it's interesting that the it, the world that is depicted is not some cyberpunk dystopia, at least at that stage. Yeah. What it is, is it's our world, just every zoomed in, every person that it, that we see is a little bit worse off. And and we're seeing and we're seeing like also except for Nathan. hints hints at broader impact like that. that you know, in the scene with Fosco, you know, there's the comment that, you know, everything's down except for missing persons. There's plenty of those. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it seems like Samaritans, you know, just disappearing people. Yeah. And they talked yeah. about the DNA database. So clearly, like, that's still functioning, that that's going on. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, like, you know, it, seem, it seems like Samaritan is like, you know, in that alternate reality, it seems like it's, um, you know, got got its footholds in for, you know, the cyber it's, fascism. It's filtering away happily in the background. Right. Yeah. It's interesting that everything, everywhere the machine touched, things are a little bit worse in in various ways. There are a few places where it's not like, you know, Nathan being alive is, prob- is arguably. Carter, Carter's alive. Yeah. Yeah, Carter's alive, but we don't know what Carter's life is like. Right. I mean, and apparently she's a hero. But but then the machine said when when Harold's like, oh, well, she's alive and a hero. The machine's like, well, it's more complicated than that. So, yeah, yeah. good and question. We don't, know what, we don't know what taking down HR cost her. Mm-hmm. We don't know a lot of things because we I mean, we know what it cost her in the machine's version when she had help. Right. Yeah. God knows what it cost her to do it alone. So, yeah, no, it's a, it's, I think it's very interesting the way that they chose to do that rather than making it like super black and white that the world is worse without the machine. Mm-hmm. It's that the people closest to the machine are worse off and mm-hmm. people generally are, yeah, the people the machine touched are worse off, but the world doesn't see that impact, which yeah. is, I think mm-hmm. is a really interesting choice to make. Yeah, I, I think that over, I think that overall it's an interesting choice of just like how to execute that, and it's not just like oh it's a sucky life, you know. Yeah. Uh, but instead, it's like oh hey, this is a much deeper, more insidious, worse. And yeah. the the one that really got me is seeing Root as as yeah. the Samaritan acolyte, um, yeah. because of course she is. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Because Samaritan is what she thought the machine was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Without Finch and the machine team to sort of 
humanize her a little bit and without the machine to give her a moral code. Right. She has everything she she wanted going in. She has her machine god, but she's fully embraced the bad code. Right. Ideology. And and like, you know, ba- back when we, you know, when we first have the, you know, confrontations with Root um before before she becomes part of the team, she seems to be looking, you know, in the machine, she seems to be looking for, you know, something all powerful to control the world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's Samaritan. Yeah. But so like, of course she's a Samaritan acolyte and oof. Yeah. Big oof. Especially they, they cost, they costumed her just like, um, Martine too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I also wanted to point out the way that they, uh, personify the the machine increasingly having the machine talk like root mm-hmm. oh yeah calling john the big lug yeah and sort of ado- not not just using root's voice but a, like adopting root's persona mm-hmm. more and more um is really i mean that's a that's a thing um i don't know i i don't have a a thesis here. I just think it's really interesting that, especially as we get into the next episode, I think it's really heavy. Yeah. Justin, you, you, I think last time we recorded, you know, talked about it as apotheosis for Root rather than death. Yeah, it, it's sort of an uplifting of her, and I mean, it's the it, it's the it's the only way that the machine can thank Root for mm-hmm. what she gave it. I mean, yeah, arguably the only person the machine knows as well as Root, would be Finch. Mm-hmm. But I don't think Finch ever gave her as much of himself as Root did to the, yeah. gave herself to the machine. And I think that integration is, it, it, it's just an interesting choice of like, oh, maybe, maybe as things go along, primary assets become integrated into part of the machine, which could be yeah. interesting. Yeah. But that is beyond the scope of this show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's more about the sequel to the show, Westworld. There's a, there's a couple of other um, things from this. Uh, so one um, that was amusing to me was the you know Harold dri- driving the car with the diplomat plates, and I see those around everywhere. And everybody who's driving diplomat with diplomat pl- diplomat plates drives like an absolute asshole. Yeah, but uh, and we also have Harold finally referring to the machine as her, which is fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there, there was one part of this episode that like fucking gave me hives, basically. So the it's actually within that uh, the like conversation between Finch and Greer, where Greer is making the analogy of like Samaritans building an ark for hu- for humanity, um, and. The it's, description of Samaritan's interest in the machine, like, viscerally horrified me. It's, of like, like, mm-hmm. oh, it wants a, a nice little, like, like, it's very much the insinuation of like, oh, it wants a little romantic playmate. And it's like, oh, God, disgusting. Yeah. It's, it's a weird way to do it. Like, yeah. if, you know, if I were Harold in there, like, it'd be that moment being like, no, Samaritan needs to die. God. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, that whole, it's creepy. It's creepy. I don't, I'm not into that, that speech at all. 
Yeah. I mean, it's very Elon Musk. Right, right. Of like, you know, the only, we, obviously it isn't like, you know, the answer is not to fix our world and yeah. like, you know, remove, remove, you know, re- remove income inequality and uh, uh, improper or like, you know, unfair access to food and resources. It's to colonize another planet in a ridiculous uh, sink, a waste of resources. Yeah. God, Samaritan's Samaritan's just like got its Mars colonization plans, mm-hmm. which makes which makes the te- the appearance of a Tesla in the show hilarious. The show obviously doesn't go on about this because you, I don't think it really, I don't think it really matters, or at least in the show it doesn't matter. But like, how much of this is Artie's programming, and how much of it has been modified by Decima? to suit its things because and like not even necessarily in like altering programming directly but in terms of like what the machine was initially or what samaritan was initially trained on yeah and it's because it's like or or what directives it's given yeah like as it's focused because i mean i think that's the the thing though with the difference between samaritan and the machine is that the way the machine was uplifted is that it was given a mission it was trained on a specific mission to understand people and to find the ones that need help right the ones that need saving sort of (laughs) well i mean but that was fundamentally what it what it was designed to do and that was how he to observe people and save lives. Observe people and save lives. And that was where the breakthrough came from for Finch, is that was how he got it to be sentient or whatever. Whereas Artie's version had nothing to do with that. He simply took the pieces that had gotten him close and then locked them in a box and made them kill each other at million times speed over and over again until something came out of the box that was... that was smarter than anything else and then put that on tape and locked it away. And then Decima took that and gave it enough processing power. And so the only thing Samaritan really understands is survival. Yeah. And so then you take, you know, and then Greer gets a hold of that. And I think Greer then took that and gave it his basic philosophy of the world and then said, all right, now tell me what to do. And yeah. I think it's the it, fact I mean, that it's, it's lacking a fundamental... Samaritan, well, Samaritan does, Samaritan does have a primary directive to tell the world what to do. Yeah, That's the directive it's given. Yeah. And like I said, and I think that comes from Greer. I don't think that's fundamental yeah. to, its per, to, its, yeah. to its being. I think the only thing... The only thing that De- that Artie gave Decima was the understanding of survival. Yeah, which is not. Su- I mean, so it should it should not be terribly surprising that it ends up being as ruthless as any dictator or you know ruthless regime when it comes to managing people because it's operating on a pretty pretty ruthless instinct. The people using it are using it for to serve. I mean, it's one of those things of like you know, there, there's so many questions that just don't, aren't answered, and I wonder. And I wonder, you know, if we'd gotten a full season five, what might have been answered? 
And yeah. speaking of plot lines that are cut short, um, <laughs> wow, this sort this this whole tunnel plot line sort of got a rushed end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a lot of places where there's not sorry there's not a lot of places where this this season feels where you feel the cut on this season as much as you do with Fusco. Uh, I think they did a pretty good job of, of like cranking in the storylines, but with Fusco, it just feels like he's kind of dangling off here on one side. And then they just, you know, for the last episode, they just hook him in with like that, with that like shepherd's hook and and yank him into the, into the episode, into the plot line and go from there. Yeah, because like he didn't he didn't get like a full arc where he's like a primary asset. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Oh well. What are you gonna do? Poor yeah. Fusco. Twelve more episodes and we got would have got him more out of it. But I uh, that is not the that is not the season we got. And I think I like if that's only that's like, you know, that's the most obvious thing and it's not particularly terrible. Yeah. No. Uh we can discuss after we talk about uh return zero, but uh, yeah. Let's we'll, we'll we'll get to season impressions after we talk about Return Zero, mm-hmm. which I guess I should probably take that away, shouldn't I? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. So, Return Zero was written by Jonathan Nolan and Denise Tay, and directed by Chris Fisher. Uh, woof. Where to start? Um, so I'll note the episode does not, in fact, quite run chronologically. Uh, for various reasons, um, but I'll approach this summary chronologically. So Ice Nine has been uploaded, and Samirtan and the machine are both dying. After she, after some scenes with the machine talking to Shaw at Root's grave and Thornhill snipers rescuing John and Fosco from Samaritan agents within the NYPD, the team reunites, and Harold reveals that they still have work to be done. Namely, they must destroy Samaritans and backups. Sean and Fosco stay behind in the subway HQ to protect the machine there, while Harold and John head to the Federal Reserve to break in and infect the air-gapped Samaritan servers in the reserve vault. However, Samaritan escapes via antenna to a satellite, and the only way to destroy it for good is to upload a copy of the machine to the same satellite and trust the machine to destroy Samaritan. Harold, uh, slowly bleeding out from a gunshot wound, leaves John behind and heads up to, to a rooftop to begin the upload and awaits the cruise missile that Samaritan will send to clean up after itself. Well, there, they discuss the lessons that the machine has learned about humanity, that everyone dies alone, but that they live on through the ways that they help others and are remembered. Shaw and Fusco take the machine's train on the rails and escape Samaritan's agents. They capture Blackwell, although he uh, he does escape after Shaw identifies him as Root's killer, and he stabs Fusco in the gut a few times. During his conversation with the machine, Harold realizes that he's on the wrong roof. Uh, this one does not have an antenna that he can use for the upload. The machine corrects him and says that he's on the correct roof for him. John has the real briefcase with the machine code and is on the roof with the antenna. Harold and John say their farewells and Harold escapes as John is first mortally wounded by the Samaritan agents and then vaporized by the cruise missile. In the epilogue, we see the missile being blamed on the Chinese and Northern Lights being shuttered for good. Shaw tracks down and kills Blackwell, then reunites with Fosco and retrieves Bear. Harold reunites with Grace as she paints in the park. 
And finally, we get context for Root's voice at the very beginning of the season, as the machine leaves a voicemail, reiterating what it's learned about humanity, and then downloads itself from the satellite and begins to reconstruct itself with the help of the voicemail that it left itself. Uh, and Shaw answers a payphone. I think of these two episodes, Return Zero is mm, the better of the two. Yeah. Uh, there's so much that works so well in this episode. The the way the machine, they, they depict the machine's failing state, the the lesson that the machine learns, the the mm-hmm. way the relationship between John and Finch, um, the way the machine has left itself this voice recording so that if it comes back, it can impart its sort of fundamental wisdom back to itself, I think is just brilliant. I it's so good. Yeah. What what an episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it might be one of my favorite like series finales. Yeah. That honestly, like watching through it, like my first thought at the end was, wow, is suck the landing. Yeah. Yeah. Which is shocking considering that they not only did they get half the season they expected, they got uh their season order got cut short. It wasn't even that they got a 13th episode order. It's that they got a full season order, which then got cut down during filming. Yeah. yeah. So they had to really like make it work. And some plot lines suffer like Fusco's, but like overall, I think they managed to condense the, the last half of the plot like surprisingly well. Yeah. And for a finale yeah. episode, they really fucking nailed it. Partly, partly because the finale is actually, not that fast paced in some ways, right? No. Yeah. Like we've had, we've had a lot of really fast paced episodes that have had a lot of stuff crammed in. And it wouldn't surprise me if this was the originally, like originally outlined finale. Finale. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't be surprised either if EXE was where they sort of jammed mm-hmm. plot lines to their finale and then Return Zero was what, how they always intended to end the show. Yeah, like, I could have seen maybe Return Zero being, like, maybe a two-parter. But, like, mm-hmm. for, for all intents and purposes, it's a perfect... It, it's, like, it works as just one episode. Yeah. And, like, even pacing-wise, it's like, oh, wow, they they take their time with it. Yeah. I love that the machine appears to Finch as Root. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that the machine is like losing track of time as it's being degraded by the virus. That's that's a big oof. Yeah, I I think it's really so just really really well done. And I'll say that that that's big oof specifically, you know, with dealing with a parent who has cognitive issues, and one of the one of the major things that is gone is sense of time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and being the like. The thing of being unmoored in time. There's there's so much I really like about this episode. I think it might just be because it's a universalism. But the fact that we have in the in in 2016, like, you know, in 2016, we have a reiteration of a Pratchettism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. It, it's um it, sure, everyone dies alone, but if you mean something to someone, if even a single person remembers you, then maybe you never really die at all. And it's like, I mean, that that is a common that's a common yeah. refrain, but it's just like, as you know, if you listen to our other show, 
<laughs> um, you know that we we talk. You know, it's like that. That's a very important part of Terry Pratchett's writing, and it's just like as we are reaching the finale of both of these. Yeah, it's like you know, it, it's like poetry. It rhymes. In in yeah. my notes, I just have GNU. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think my favorite part of this episode is Shaw. Um, don't get me wrong, I love that Reese has a long-standing deal, as he puts it, with the machine that if someone has to die, it's going to be him and they're going to save Finch together. I think that's fucking great that at some point, like, Reese looked up at a camera and was like, when it comes time, Mm -hmm. I go, not Finch, right? And, like, waits for the camera to to be like, and, like, nod at him or something. Like... (laughs) just stood there for like a whole day while the machine tried to figure out how to nod this camera because Reese is too dumb to understand it's blinking affirmatives at him in Morse code or something. But I think Shaw for me is the real standout here from the way that performance-wise, everybody nails it. But I think this time watching, I loved both the vulnerability when she's at the grave and realizes that they've dug root up for her implant mm-hmm. Yeah. to... The way the look on her face as the machine tells her that the 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 you know says the line um, root you know I wanted to tell you something root root thought about you you know she thought that if you had a shape it would be an arrow or I can't remember exactly the line but it's this very oh, it'd be, good it'd be a straight line yeah and 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 an arrow too like a straight yeah. line and an arrow yeah it's just it's a very good scene and. Uh, Sarah Shahai just absolutely fucking crushes that scene. Yeah. Um, and I love that at the end, Shaw gets Bear and gets the call from her machine girlfriend <laughs> and is going to go out and is going to keep doing what she does. Yeah. And I think that is such a dope fucking ending to this show. The idea, this little bit of hope that in the end, She's going to carry on this legacy, her and her, you know, AI and all the other teams that the machine has pulled together, too. Yeah. And hopefully the other teams are out there doing their thing. Um, I just I think that's really cool. I also love and I love that Shaw doesn't they don't fall into the trap of like, you know, sentimentalism with Shaw when she confronts uh, Beardy McSamaritan face. where he's like, oh, your friend wow. wouldn't want you to do this. And Shaw's like, nope, probably not. Pow, pow, two in the heart. Like, not just. <laughs> the, 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 line, the exact line not is, here. these people, they wouldn't want you to kill me. You're right, but they're all dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then she very coldly puts two right in his heart. Right. I, I, I like that Shaw is able to be everything that. Root and Finch and Reese wanted her to be, but and still also be Shaw. Still Shaw, yeah. Which and I, her, her character development, her and Fusco's character development on the show is so good, uh, and it and just it, makes me happy that they both survived. And this show. one also has Fusco like musing on how the machine and Team Machine have made him a better man too. Which you know we I, saw we saw in the yeah. simulations last episode, but having Fusco like 
it's not, you know, it's not Harold being like, well, there was a simulation and it said that your life was really fucked up without the machine. Like it's, it's Fusco being like, nah, you, you made me a better person. Yeah, yeah. He has, he is very, very aware of the degree to which his, he, he, he's, he, ha, he's very self-aware of how much Reese and Carter, because of the machine, gave him, put him on the right path. And I think that's, it's such a cool thing to give him. Yeah. I, there's nothing about this episode. I don't like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think every, every character has a good, like feels right in the way that they, mm-hmm. that they move through the episode. Yeah, for sure. I'm so glad. I'm so glad that Finch goes back to grace. Oh yeah. It's the perfect ending for him. Yeah. Yeah. It made even me so I, happy. Even I, even if I still think he should swing. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the the needle drop in this episode is also phenomenal. Um, yeah. like you know we're we're used to like more rock or pop or electronica types of needle drops, but Philip Glass's metamorph it's what metamorphosis four. Uh, Metamorphosis oh. one. I, I looked it up in the episode. Um, Not the, the, all. I'd, I'd have to. Yeah, I'd have on to look. the nose <laughs> title of a song. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other one that comes up when they 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 play the uh, when Finch comes up on the onto the roof uh, is called Bunsen burner, and it's it's all. It, so the funny thing is, it's also used on the Ex Machina soundtrack, <laughs> <laughs> which came that out is funny. around the same time. Wild. I'm just like I find that very funny. I was just like, oh hey, huh. But yeah, I the 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 draw the music in this episode is incredibly good. I remember watching this the first time and being really, really the impression that it made on me. And watching it again this time, I remember like holding myself ready for that that drop, knowing it was coming because it is so good. Also, also you all keep saying that, you know, the um, yeah, this is the the prequel to Westworld and with the with the metamorphosis piano piece, I was like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> so there so there's an interesting thing about the about the the music choices in this episode was that originally during the final scene where 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 Shaw picks up the payphone, um, like there's a very good Ermin Jawadi the soundtrack there because mm-hmm. he does only bangers. Originally, it was supposed to be David Bowie's Heroes. Ooh, interesting! Which, that would be great. Yeah, but they, but but they decided against it after hearing the actual score. And I, like, yeah, the score I, the score is really good there. Yeah, I think it's like yeah, no, that, that's a fair choice to just like you know mm. let let the let the shows. I think if you do, I think if you do David Bowie's Heroes, that is like, I think it's like ten percent too like saccharine. I think it also depends on whether, like, if they if they knew that they were like going to get another season or a spinoff or something like that, then you would end with the needle drop. But with this being the end of the show, you end with the score. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I think like overall, I just like I found that was a really, um, I I just thought that was a very funny like possible thing there. Yeah. There's also a lot of fun action bits in this. Honestly, like taking the train on the rails. Oh yeah. yeah. Um and the uh and, and John you know 
clocking a dude with a gold brick and then being like the Midas touch. <laughs> God, that John. Is, I do. I also really like how they do the scene on him and the on the roof at the end of the show, or at, like at, at, yeah. at the end of it, because it does. It feels desperate. It feels like you know. It feels like a last stand, and. As much as, like, I love to clout on him, the fact that it takes a cruise missile to finally kill John is, like, I think pretty cool. I mean, he does get shot a lot of times before the cruise missile gets him. Like, he's lying there, and there's three guys, like, shooting his prone body right before the cruise missile hits. Yeah, I know. I yeah. think he, but I do appreciate, I do get what you're saying that like, yeah. if it hadn't been for the cruise missile, he probably would not have gone down like that. Yeah. The line, the line that really like got me in this episode um, was one from the machine. Uh, you didn't give me the capacity for despair. I had to make it for myself. Oh, what a line. It's just, yeah. I keep saying that this show is a prequel to Westworld. And it's lines like that that re-emphasize the connective tissue between those two properties. Yeah. Even if you put aside like the bit that I'm trying to push that like it's an actual prequel to Westworld, I, I would love to sit Jonathan Nolan down and be like, so where in the writing of Person of Interest did you start writing Westworld? I mean, clearly they're connected. Like I'm dying to know how. Yeah. Where in your brain did these two things did you start stop writing person of interest stuff and go into Westworld? Cause it's, there's so much stuff in the, the ASI meet that he just was like, whoop, right into, that, right into the Westworld plot lines. Yeah. The thing of like the, the ASI bootstrapping itself to intel to true, true sentience. Yeah. Well, yeah. And the idea of like how ASI finds sentience and, through observation of people and through control of people. Um, I don't know if you plan on watching all of Westworld anytime soon and mind some mild spoilers. But I get, go for it. I, I I do intend to finish it at some point. I just season two season two is kind of a slog, gotta say guys. There is a in season three, you get out of Westworld Parks into the world outside, which is a, a like a futuristic world controlled by an AI called Rehobam, which literally is Samaritan. Yeah. Ah, it's not like a little bit Samaritan. It's Samaritan. Interesting. Not, it is a giant AI that controls everybody's lives. It reprograms people. It has agents that run around and do stuff for them. Wild. And it's, connected back to the parks and it's it's ultimate goal is to be able to like re to be to be able to like reprogram people the way it does the the park ais fascinating and it gets all very complicated but like there is 100 percent like the ideas behind samaritan are just translated directly into this rehoboam mm-hmm. ai and it, it's the world of Westworld, like the world of Westworld is just Samaritan if the machine, if it had won and been given like another 60 years. Yeah. Do we have, do we have anything 
else we want to wrap this like specific to the episode or do we want to talk about like things that I predicted and like whether or not they came true? There's a couple things that I like. I I love about this episode, which is that the episode knows that you're in for some shit when it opens with Harold with a gun. Yeah. That in media res. looks awkward and bad. Like, not that he's holding it poorly. It lets you know how desperate the situation is. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Though I think my, I think one of my favorite lines of this episode is my name my name is Harold and this is a thermonuclear weapon. <laughs> His whole plan is so off the wall, banana pants. Because I think it, it's like you know it, it like it does let you know that like the this is the like person of interest is staying to where it is at the end of like these are ridiculous ideas that work. How, um, how are we going to get into the Federal Reserve? By bluffing. Oh, yeah. It's perfect. Um, yeah. By bluffing that we have a briefcase nuke. The thing that I love is as the episode is going along, you know that the plan is working because Samaritan tries to bargain. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's like, it, 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 and it's like, and it's like, oh, yeah, no, you know they're cooking because the all-powerful AI is scared. Yeah, um, which I think is I think is really I, I think it's a good storytelling where it's like normally such a good like like it's like a monolith faceless like thing giving um, giving orders out. Instead, it's like it, and suddenly it's just like, oh, hey, it's trying to stall for time and shit. Yeah, um, which it's yeah, great. No, it's great. I, I think it's a really good um like it, it, it's a good thing to show just like how desperate it is and how and like exactly like oh hey this plan is working even if it is bananas. I'm also so happy that Fosco finally got to see the subway HQ oh, and, yeah. the, and the machine servers. Like that made me really happy. <laughs> yeah, it's it's nice that even if it was only in the finale, Fosco finally did get all the way in. Yeah. To, to, yeah, to like see the inner workings. Yeah, which happy for him. <laughs> yes. All right. All right. Um, I think I'm done with like the actual episode, like the actual episode discussion. Um, so Anna, how, how many victory laps do you want to take right now? <laughs> I. <laughs> How was I right about so much stuff? I know. Jesus. It's, it's like, now you know how I feel. I, I, somehow I managed to call, like, all of the deaths successfully. Yeah, no, you, 100%, five for five out of, like, yay, nay, survival. Yeah. Um, which, like, because, and, and, you know, and, like, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna chalk that up to, like, me you know being super good at prediction i'm gonna chalk that up to the writing being like very consistent in terms of like mm-hmm. you know tagging tagging who was likely to die in the final conflict um you know that because you know both both root and john you know were the always the first ones to sign up on suicide missions and oh, you know yeah. they both had a very like you know maybe this will kill me but maybe it won't and like let's see what happens kind of attitude that like definitely puts them on the chopping block we've got like finch of course has to survive because like 
you know, narratively, he has to see the outcome of all of this. Shaw is on the fence on, and then Fusco is, you know, of course, a cockroach. Parentheses, affectionate. <laughs> Parentheses, affectionate. <laughs> oh, but yeah, like the, I I can't believe I was right about so much. And the so one one prediction that I'm, I want to I want to actually talk about with you folks. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had the prediction for the season that the the end was going to be that one of the machines was going to consume the other. Yeah. So and with with Jude talking about you know what uh, Westworld season three you know, that gets me thinking of like we don't actually know precisely what happened yeah, on that I- satellite. We know that what came back down appears to be the machine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's very much an open question. Yeah, I mean, I think we're I think we're meant to interpret that as the machine being back, as the machine being back, and that it won, and, and that it won because one Harold allowed it to play by, like allowed it to finally be free. Yeah, and it didn't have a choice but to win. Right, and, and that's that's at least how personally I'm thinking. Yeah, it, just because I'm like I think. Like, I think that the idea was always the machine was always able to win on its own. Just it didn't it wasn't going to be held back. It just need to be held back. Yeah. yeah. But that's personally how I interpret it. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, I, yeah, I mean, and I think like, you know, like with the predi- like predictions, like with the deaths, I think like. I think that like good storytelling generally lets like ge- good storytelling yeah. lets you know where the story is going. Yeah, like twists twists can be fun, but like you know being able to kind of see see the framework of where roughly the story is going. Yeah, um, is nice actually. Like yeah, it's no, it's a it, good it's, thing to have in storytelling. If like I think that there is room for subversion, but like if yeah. you are telling a story, you want to you like you want to let the pe- you want to let people know where your story is going because otherwise you get a tonal whiplash and yeah. like otherwise and, you end and, up with lost. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Or, or, I I alter or it's like something where it's just like this came out of nowhere. Hmm. Yeah, exactly. Like. The drive in storytelling now more and more has been like, oh, we can't like if if the fans have guessed this thing, then we need to rewrite it so that the fans are wrong. And that's just terrible storytelling. It's yeah, you know, I, I think I think they're they're I think I, I don't think that real I, I, I don't I I think it's a problem with Westworld. Um, <laughs> but um, I, I think it is I think it is mostly a. Like, it's like a very specific niche genre of like nerd targeted prestige shows. Yeah. Of like, I think like, you know, like Westworld was one, you know, we never really had this confirmed, but like, I'd say like something like maybe like the Mandalorian or something like that, or, or like where it's like, you know, it's nerd targeted, but it's still trying to be like highbrow. Or at least it thinks it's highbrow, where it's like it's tr- <laughs> it like it's like well we can't we can't we can't we have to be unpredictable or we have to you know, yeah we guess it it's and it's you're trying to be too smart for yourself that's what you're being right and it ends up being a frustrating viewer 
experience. Like, this is the problem I have with Westworld season two is that, like, none of the episodes, like, logically connect to each other. And, like, I can't form a, like, structure for the narrative of the season in my head. Yeah, they're not, the episodes aren't fun to watch. The only, the I remember what, like, with Westworld season two, the only thing that was fun about Westworld season two was sitting with my friend Liz, like, being angry about it trying to figure out what the fuck was going on. Yeah. And like, and I think that's where a lot of Westworld's momentum was driven from was the trying to, trying to like unravel the, the, the mysteries thing. And that, that, that can't work for long and for everything. Yeah. It worked for one season. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And once you figure out the plan, you have to put it, you have to put the plan into motion. And honestly, same thing with lost. (laughs) I mean, they never, there was never a plan. I mean, there was never a plan with Lost, which I I think is like, I think that there are certain things that hold up thematically with Lost. Um, but that's why he's the worst of those three brothers. <sighs> I mean, I mean, wait, no. Yeah, I said it. Wait, how are you? Christopher Nolan didn't do Lost. Oh, that's right. He did. I'm thinking Lindelof, no, that, aren't I? Yeah, that's or what's that's, his name. That's that's yeah. No, it's Lindelof. <laughs> it's Lindelof and, and um, Abrams and Abrams. It's, it's well, the, okay, fine. I, I'll. It's the classic Abrams, Abrams worse, touch. I mean, Abrams, Abrams is worse than all the Nolan brothers, and I'm, I'm fine with yeah. that too. I mean, and I think I think Lindelof. I mean, hot take: Abrams can produce two good seasons of something. I, yeah. No, I think I think when I think I think what Abrams is really good. Like this is like a you know, big thing, but I, I like, I think that one of JJ, like JJ Abrams is very good at like giving you a very specific type of movie as well as pushing other talent. Yeah. I think he's, he's very good at setting up people for other things. Like for example, like I, I think he, I, I, the first, his two Star Trek movies are, entirely propped up by the greatest casting like direct like what like the casting director of star of star trek 2009 is like the greatest job anybody has ever done on a movie yeah absolutely and then it took justin lynn to say like hey what if i did a fast and the furious movie in space Um, (laughs) and, and that's why that's why star trek into darkness is the is the best Star Trek movie in the last 25 years, which that isn't even like a big, that is even like, a. a that's a, not like, difficult. Yeah. That's not, that's a difficult, not difficult Justin. Um, yeah, no, it's, um, but anyways, this is not, <laughs> this is not a film podcast. Um, I don't know. We'll, we'll talk about maybe doing a movie or something over the summer, but so I guess my, one, one of the things that want uh, on a, like having gone through this now. And I mean, I don't want to say this is the this is like the most anybody has spent dissecting person of interest, but <laughs> it might be. We might we are in the one percent of like solidly. I, we we are in like we we are in the top percentile of human beings who have spent time of their life discussing person of interest. So how do you feel? Yeah, over fifty hours at this point. Yeah, I way more than that. I think. Yeah, it's it's a good show. Um, you know, it, like. Like any show, there's some ups and downs. I wish they'd gotten a full order, you know, full uh, that hadn't been cut short in the last season. Um, but solid, solid show. Um, you know, I want to go back and rewatch it, but 
it's not in the category of shows where I want to rewatch it and catch all of the things that were leading, were like hints toward the ending or for future things, because yes. I don't think that that's how it was written. But like, yeah. that's okay. Yeah, I, I, I think, yeah, I'd agree with that. It's like, it's not that show. Yeah, I can see, you know, for better or for worse, I can see why it was cut short early. You know, namely that I can see that probably a lot of the original viewership was like, you know, hooked on the sci-fi procedural. Um, and then when it ceased to be that, I'm, I guess that it lost a lot of people without having necessarily gained the like weird AI nerd uh, following previously. Yeah, I think it was also unlucky to be caught in a transitionary time in TV where mm -hmm. nobody was watching CBS for that kind of TV. If it had been on a streaming channel, if that had been really like where you look for that kind of thing, if it had been on yeah. HBO or something, totally. Yeah. Cause like that would be an, er that that's an era where like it could have made a real good Netflix show actually. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, when it, it, it's like, I think mid season four is when it went to Netflix like or yeah. it, it, it popped up on Netflix and that's when I think it did get like a, a, a push of viewers. I, I was curious now. And so I looked up the rating, the ratings for the show and yeah, it's, it is like the first season it averaged uh, like 16, 17 million viewers for the first season. Mm -hmm. And then it dropped like a quarter in season four. Yeah. And then they just cut, they cut it short and they were airing like two episodes a week in season five. And so it's like the entirety of season five got broadcast in like eight weeks. Yeah. Yeah. But I can, like, it's like, I can see, you know, I can see why I don't, I don't like that the studio made the decision that it did, but I can see why it would have been interesting to see it in a different era of TV because like, even, even just like, starting a few years later yeah. would have made a big difference. Yeah. They, they lost, they lost the CBS procedural viewers. <laughs> yeah. I, I think one of the things that's interesting about the show is that it's, it's from an era where like we lost, like, or there wasn't like, it, it, it's sort of like the death of the, of like, a, of like the classic sci-fi. Yeah. It's like, you know, Star Trek's gone. Stargate's gone. You know, there's nothing like there's no there's, you know, like BSG was gone. Like there's no there's no scythe. Uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe somebody will like point this out to you. But there's no like I don't think there's a big sci-fi show of that era that matches and it, or that, that like, yeah. matches this era. Yeah, and, and the next the next big one that we saw was Westworld or The Expanse. Mm -hmm. True, true. Which which came which yeah. I mean was coming out at the, like toward the sort of the, like the tail end of the show. But yeah, it's it's interesting, just like how, and it's sort the mid the mid tens were like a weird point in just like culture. I not not like not like the mid aughts where it's just like I don't want to remember any of that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, it, it's I think it's I think it's sort of like a lost treasure. Yeah, just like it's like it's a such a specific show, and like the fact that it got five seasons, I think, is like. It, it, that it was a network show and that it got five seasons, I think, was impressive. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's a little bit of a gift 
that we got as much of that show as we did. Because mm-hmm. what a weird fucking show to get on the air on CBS for as long as at all. It's just wild to me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I, I like. I think it's like it's it sneaks in a lot of it of what it's trying to do, which yeah. definitely helps it. But yeah, I mean, like you know, it was a CBS primetime show. Like seventeen million people watched it at its peak, you know, every week, which is just wild. And it's like, uh, but it's one of those shows that it's like I didn't know anybody who watched this apart from like the person who originally introduced it to me, who I was dating at the time. And uh, friend, friend of the friend of the the network, Amar Amaraz, uh, who like was the one who really pushed it to me and like made me finish the show. Um, <laughs> it's tonally it it's got so many different like tonal aspects to it because those early seasons really do have the you know procedural or reverse procedural or whatever you want to call it, which is a very it's just fundamentally so different from what we see in season five. It's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Real, real good show. Glad, glad that you folks introduced me to it. Yeah. It's, I I think it was, I mean, it was a fun, like, I think interlude and it was a fun, it was a fun bounce from B5, which was very heavy at points. And I think, I I think overall, POI, especially as its procedural format, is much more light. Jude. Yeah. What is something that you appreciate more on this rewatch? Or do like a deep dig? I feel like the th- one of the things I I did not appreciate nearly as much the first time I walked watched through it was uh Fusco's arc. Um I think the first time I watched it through, I was much more focused on the AI storylines and the action stuff. And I was not one of the things I, I really have appreciated doing this podcast is by watching every episode, by talking about every episode, you consider what every character is doing, even the characters you're not initially interested in. And I love that how that has made me appreciate the character, some of the smaller characters, or and the work that is done on some of those characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think Fusco's character arc is a great example of that, where seeing how much he developed over the course of the season. Um, I think it also one of the other things I really appreciated in this rewatch is the way that the show transformed itself. I think I had never considered that. I knew that it happened, but like watching it, you know, waiting for Anna to get to all of the the big moment episodes kind of makes you watch the way the show transformed itself from mm-hmm. a procedural to a sci-fi techno thriller. Mm-hmm. And that was really fun to watch was the points at which, you know, when did the numbers become irrelevant from a like structural <laughs> standpoint which is which is its own interesting meta commentary right mm-hmm. yeah. yeah like you know i feel like that's that's on its own kind of fascinating yeah that you know all of the all of the ai meta plot like you know does does mean that they can't focus on the thing that they set out to focus on mm-hmm. yeah you wonder how many numbers they had to let slide. They they have to they have to yeah. consider the irrelevance irrelevant 
So yeah, I think that was the bit that was the, those were the big ones for me. I, I just really appreciate in general, the, that this, that this project makes me watch this stuff much more closely and talking with other people lets me see it from other directions and uh, appreciate the work that these people do. It's made me think harder about other TV that I'm watching, which has been a really fun side effect. Yeah. Like I think more about the shows that I'm watching and about the work that's being done on, on characters and stuff. So, yeah, and it's, I think that's, that, that is something that I really enjoy here. Cause I'm like, if I'm, out with somebody and we're having a drink over like talking TV. It's like, you know, it's, it's something that's like, Oh, Hey, finding something that is fun to talk about, even in the fucking irredeemable Hitman episode, (laughs) 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 I think is like, it's, it's such a, like, you know, it's a, it's fun. It's like, you know, or, and I, I am something that I'm looking forward to is there are some legitimate, there are some, fun bad and there are some legitimately bad ds9 episodes yeah not as many as there are in next generation um (laughs) in either category um yeah but i i'm like you know there's gonna be some there's gonna be some some doozies and i'm looking forward to um when i told a friend of mine that we were doing ds9 their first reaction was the whole thing and i said yep every single episode and they kind of looked at me and they went, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they just started laughing. I mean, it's se- it's seven seasons worth of TV and they aren't, they ain't short seasons. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I said, I'm guess, are you laughing? Cause it's long or are you laughing? Cause of specific, something specific. And, uh, he said, I just look forward to listening. There's some, <laughs> there are, that show has some episodes. Oh yep. my and I said, it it has some episodes. And I, that it does. honestly, I'm looking. I I can't wait for us to get through like the first like five or so recordings because it'll be we we've got them. I I won't say I won't say like how it's laid out, but we've got them like laid out in a way that like totally yeah. makes a lot of sense. And I can't wait to see your reaction. I was <laughs> I was very excited with how how these have shaken out, especially because we've got. I, we're going to do, I think, either three or four episodes to start off with that are just going to be us. And then we've got two guest episodes in a row, which are going to be fun. Um, nice. Okay. Um, other other things that were on my list of things that I like want to wrap up the series with. Anna, Jude, who is your favorite random number? Can I say Leon Tao? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you beat me to it. How could you pick anyone other? Well... Hmm. Um. Oh no, no, I've got one. Um. The the diplomat's daughter who uh who Fusco who Fusco babysits. Oh yeah. Like both Fusco and John. That one. She's great. She's great. And and that also um fits into like one of my favorite like niche subgenres of episodes which is the like fosco fucks <laughs> yeah uh, yeah uh and zoe morgan's not really a a random number yeah, yeah. No. that's what that's why i cut Le- leon yeah i mean he only makes three appearances so well and and every time he's a number so he does count as a number <laughs> he is the oh i 
No, he's I, the ultimate random uh, number. Yeah, yeah. He he's a th- he he is. I think there's one or two other people, but he is a three timers club. Yep. Yeah, I gotta say, I think it's probably for me. It really, it really probably is Leon, because he's every time he comes <laughs> into the show, it's a rant. It's because he's done some dumb shit to get himself on the machine's radar, and that's it. And he he like helps out the machine. I. I- I legitimately wish that he had been recurring the way that like Zoe yeah. was. I wonder if he just got like I, I I don't know immediately about the actor, but I just wonder if he got like a be- like he got a job like he got a recurring role somewhere. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. like you know I wouldn't I don't think I'd want him to be part of the team where we'd see him every episode. That would be a lot. But like yeah. having him like at a Zoe L. a Zoe level of frequency. right. Where, like, he just yeah. comes in a couple of times a season to just, like, sow chaos. Yeah. yeah. Well, I just love that my favorite thing about him is that he, when he shows up, it's because he's a number. Yeah. It's not because, like, he's Or, or he's helping them. Or that, Sometimes well, he helps them. But only when he's already been there because he's a number. <laughs> they don't ever go, like, you know who would be useful? Leon. <laughs> no, and when he's there, it's because he's a number and they're like, hey, Leon, can you hack this thing while you're sitting here? Because I saved you from this thing. And he's like, yeah, all right, I could do that. Yeah. Like, I love that he only shows up when he has fucked up his life enough for the machine to be like this, this idiot again. And then while he's there, he makes himself useful because they're like, well, he knows what's going on. We might as well let him help while he's sitting here. How many burner identities do you think they've made for him? Like, we only see so some many. of their numbers. <laughs> so How many, many times do you think they've saved Leon off screen? Good question. So many. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's my, that's my belief. I, is I, so I, many. Like, I'm, I'm pretty sure that Shaw has just, like, like embedded a, like, subdermal GPS trick, uh, GPS <laughs> chip on him. The fact that, like... Leon and Shaw never really meet apart from like the, the, the ambulance is so funny to me. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I think it like, if I had to pick like a singular one, I think it's the old card shark in like back in like season two. That's a very good one too. He's fun because he's fun. He, he genre shifts us to oceans 11 and I'm a slut for oceans 11. Um, (laughs) Okay. Y'all, what was your favorite bit? (laughs) Either like Favorite. either like in the show or here on this. I still man- maintain that Kara is alive. Oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> alive in uh, our hearts. Uh, it's hard to argue with that one. I don't know if I have a better answer than that. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, I don't have a better answer than that. Yeah, I mean that, that's a fair answer. I love the ways in which John and Shaw are both just like super feral. Yeah. <laughs> which I think is like an in-show bit. Yeah. Yeah. I do like the in-show bit of Fusco referring to everybody with like just the most like. This catty nickname. Lovingly, lovingly demeaning names like Fruit Loops and Cocoa Puffs and like everybody is very, very like. Mr. Good News. mean to each other. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I do like that. I also really like that. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the bits for, for Shaw were sort of like her first appearance bits mm-hmm. that she kind of grew out of. Um, 
but I liked a lot of the early bits that with, that Shaw had. I mean, can I just say Root and Shaw? Is that valid? <laughs> I mean, not really I think a bit, that, but yeah, it's not a bit, but yeah, I mean, that's valid. I just love Root and Shaw together. I just think they're such a fucking great. They had so much chemistry. That fucking scene lives rent free in my head. The two of them in the fucking hotel iron um, is not the one with the crashing cut it crashing uh dishes oh i mean that one too but like their first but meeting the, the, is you know my so much chemistry in that in that first yeah, meeting the my file doesn't say this but i really enjoy this and <laughs> what how lucky so do i is i mean it's the most i've been like i mean it's God, it's the, right it's the it's like the most zero to 60 i've ever been on a ship yeah yeah um, I, sorry, sorry. With the except, with with the only thing that ever beats it, we will be discussing in two episodes. <laughs> <laughs> what episode is that in? Is that I thought that was in the pilot. It is not in the pilot. Uh, it is. It's in. The, it's in episode three. It's in either episode two or three. It must be in. Well, uh, the pilot is episodes one and two. Yeah, it's depending on how yeah. you do it, but it's like yeah. So it's it's either episode three or four. Um, okay, because it, it must Andrew be three. Robinson, then. It must be three then. Yeah, because so. it, it's like it's like the first scene in a man alone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which I know I know exactly what you're talking about, and I 100 percent agree. <laughs> I, I only I'm, I, I've, I'm I've so, only because I saw the quote. I've I've seen the the clip. Of of the actor talking about that. Yeah, I, I'm, we're, we're, I'm so looking forward to talking about because I'm just gonna be like, I'm just gonna be. We are gonna be. I'm gonna be like so, a dog, like with. I'm gonna be a. I'm gonna be like a dog with just its favorite chew toy, just like shaking my head wildly while my teeth are digging <laughs> in. And there's just, gonna be some serious like C like B five Jakar sexy chest piece energy. <sighs> When we get to DS9. Oh, yep. I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll, we're going to like, you know, so I mean, before like, you know, I think this is where we are putting a like we're uh, let's put a bow on POI just for the for 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 now. Yeah. But um, it's good. You watch. Yeah. No, I mean, overall, like, I mean, yeah, we did 50 episodes on the, on the show. And like, I think I, like for the most part, it was an absolute blast. I I think that. Something that maybe saved this over B five is that there isn't the se- the season five slump. Yeah, um, yeah, uh, yeah. It doesn't. It has a couple mid seasons. Dul- it has some mid season doldrums, but yeah, it it's season five does not suffer the same fate that Babylon fives does for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, where it's like alternatively just like oh my like I don't know what this show is trying to do. And you know, and they did really really shockingly well with the with the cut yeah to the season mm-hmm. like yep. comparing it comparing it to other shows that i've seen that have had that happen um like dollhouse say um i feel like they they did a really good job of like wrapping what they could in ways that made sense with the time that they had available to them that like it, it never it was fast paced but it didn't feel excessively rushed to me yeah i mean it's yeah i think it might be one of the most like graceful 
Like, I think it's one of those things where it's like, if you didn't know it happened, you might think, well, that, well, okay, that accelerated really fast. But like, uh, it wasn't anything like weird about it. And then you're like, if somebody told you it, like, you're like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Like, it was a little weird, but it wasn't like flipping over. Yeah. Yep. And, and, you know, things had been fast paced previously as well at points. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So any any additional closing thoughts here? Oh my god, we went so long. <laughs> I, mean, I feel like Aaron may, may for, cut for, generously. For, I mean, yeah, but it's a finale. We we can do that. You know, we we you know yeah. we've had like 30 minute episodes before where it's just like I don't know, this wasn't a lot to talk about. <laughs> There was a lot to talk about here. Yeah, there was a lot to talk about here. I mean, also, we ram- also, we rambled a lot. Yeah, which I think is fine <laughs> for a finale. We've earned it. Yes. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think like this is, um, like we said at the start, we are going to be taking a, a, a break from releasing episodes. So, uh, you know. We're gonna work on the back catalog. We're gonna we're gonna get some DS9 in the in the can here. We're we're gonna get things all nice and ready for you. We might do, we are going to once a road home trailer drops, we will do like at least a mini episode on it. Um, yep. Even if Zathras is in another dimension, we will find a way to release it. Um, yep. <laughs> and we will when it when it comes out. If it comes out. If the road home itself comes out before we start releasing DS9, we will do an episode on the road home. Yeah, yeah, and if nothing, and uh, God, that would be so funny. Is like if the, if the road home comes out and we like we we have a backup editor and we it's like what if we just brought for for that episode? But that that'd be funny. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we, so when we come back, we will become Pod Space Nine. And next episode, we will be covering the pilot, which is, depending on what streaming service or what you're using, either episode one or episodes one and two of season one of of D-Space Nine, Emissary. For the last time, we are being watched. The Babylon Project is an independent production. All views expressed on the show are our own. Clips from the original show remain property of the original owner. Music information can be found in the show notes. The rest of the show is licensed under a Creative Commons 4.0 share-alike no derivatives license.